Welcome back to Operator Syndrome. Uh, we are here with David. We're talking about GRS. I already know that this is going to be a popular subject. So uh, the eyes of the world are on you. Um, so when we left off, when we la when we last left off, um, you were talking about the mind. We were talking about the mindset difference, uh, both from the whips. The, the State Department contract, but also even just the static versus the mobile work. You described um, what you did to, to get from static to mobile. We talked a little about in general the um, the environment, the difference in the environments between CIA and State Department. Um, so I got a couple like random type questions, um, and then we'll pick it back up. Um, you talked about the training course. We can't get into the training course too much, but I, I gather it was relatively similar. The, the main events are probably um, uh, uh, events that anyone who's gone through any type of uh, selection or training course of any kind is probably familiar with. Um, uh, in terms of uh, equipment, we, we talked a little bit about that, uh, what you had at the State Department. It was better than, than some of the stuff you were working with uh, in the reconnaissance community um, uh, at GRS. Was was that was that continuing the 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 quality of the equipment getting better? About the same, uh, whatever you're comfortable talking about. Yeah, um, generally the same. Okay. Um, but there was also equipment that you use if uh, you're going on low pro missions, mm. which GRS guys on the mobile side do a lot. Okay. So they're not tacked out you know conspicuous in the public okay. um they're actually wearing uh either you know civilians or uh, like in afghanistan for example they're actually wearing the indigenous clothing okay so um they want to conceal a lot of that so there's equipment that you can uh wear um there's low profile um plate carriers um a lot of guys uh carried mp7s okay i don't know if you with mp7s yeah. yeah, yeah, I've seen them. I've never fired an MP7. Yeah, so a lot of ground branch and a lot of GRS guys that go out on the mobile side, um, they they carry MP7s or um, shortened versions of uh, ARs. Okay. Um. So yeah, but for the most part, the equipment is the same. Okay. Yeah, and I, I guess at a certain point, there's like diminishing returns. It's like it's a it's a tool. They're tools, and um, you know until you get to like laser blasters, like you're, you're going to hit a, a ceiling at some point. Right. Um, it's all kind of the same. So, um, so then let's get into it then. So you, you had your first contract on the mobile side. Um, what can you tell us about, about that experience? Well, you're talking about going on cable. Yes. Yeah. Um, a lot different, obviously, from the static point of view. Mm -hmm. um, we did a lot more, um, believe it or not, we did a lot more intelligence gathering than we anything else. Okay. Um, I remember we had to, uh, and I remember Sean Ryan had mentioned this, and this is absolutely true. Like, when Sean Ryan said that his first, uh, his first deployment in GRS when he went to Afghanistan, they made him memorize all the, the roads. Uh, they took him out and they drove around and said, you need to memorize every, every turn, every, every street is basically the same. They want you to memorize everything. Mm. Um, 
safe house, like safe, safe, safe houses, uh, everything where you need to go. And that's basically what we did. So we memorize where you need to go, memorize the roads. Um, and like I said, for the most part, it was a lot of intelligence gathering. Then we actually like taking guys out like in, in full view where everybody can see and you're doing like a, a, like whips on the website right. where you're escorting people. It wasn't very much. And in fact, it was nothing like that. It was actually um, working with uh, either local um, local leaders or you're just out with your team gathering intel. I mean, that sounds intense. Um, were you... How much did you know that that's the type of work you were going to be stepping into before? I mean, had you heard this from your your buddies who were already kind of in describing like what the actual work was like? Or was this like you show up day one and, and they say, hey, this is what we're going to do. And, and it's no. So from from the time you're at the bidding course, you get an idea of what you're what you're getting into. OK, just by, you know, speaking with people who are already there. And they're recalling or the instructors okay. who actually did it before. And they, they give you an idea of what's going to happen. I mean, obviously, you don't know exactly what's going to happen to your actual ground. Mm -hmm. But uh, you, you have a very good idea of what the job entails. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, so did... I mean, was this for you, was this the, the, the next the next obvious progression in terms of you applying your skill sets, the things you'd learn, you know, from the Marine Corps, you did the whips thing. I mean, this is what you were, this is what you wanted to do, this type of work. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. Coming from the Marine Corps side. Um, yeah. Uh, it's something that I, well, I'm trying to think here. I mean, Coming from the whip side, mm -hmm. actually, I mean, I want to use that as an example. It's what I envisioned of myself that I wanted to do. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It was a lot, like like I said in the last episode, we discussed like the different cultural differences between the two. Mm -hmm. um, when I was in GRS, uh, it, it was, it seemed like you had more, I wouldn't say leeway, but uh, it was a grown-up game. Mm -hmm. As if you were at the State Department compound, everything was just uh, uh, <laughs> everything was dress right dress, you know. Right. You had these rules, and you know you had to watch what you say, and you know you had to be on your best behavior, which you're supposed to be. But I mean, right. like if you said the wrong thing in the chow hall, like uh, I don't know, if you made a political comment, for example, that would get you fired. Because if the wrong person was listening to that the State Department, um, that could get you fired. Um, but on the GRS side, it was more you're playing by big boy ruse. Just like it felt like I was in a soft, like a uh, team. It's like if you were in seventy uh, fifth, or it felt like I was back in recon. Like you know, you're playing by big boy ruse. Mm -hmm. You know, no one's like holding your hand and telling you where you need to go. You need to be here at this time. Like. You know, someone likes guiding you everywhere. You know, it's like they say that you have to be for the brief at this time and everyone shows up. No one needs to be told the second time. So that's what it felt like. Yeah. If I'm making any sense. 
it does it does i mean it i i'm i'm trying to process myself i'm trying to put myself into your shoes at that time going from okay you leave leave active duty you do the whips program now you're gonna now you're in grs and the mind shift change i mean it sounds like the grs stuff was very the whip stuff was it was it sounded like it was kind of at face value right it's 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 state department um securing the facilities uh you know your reaction force in case something goes down this is my bit this is what i do and then it sounds way more operational like this grs stuff is like what you got into so it very yeah. much seems like it's going back to the old days of this is a mission this is a mission kind of that a, a military unit could could very well be assigned right right so it's like you're you're back kind of in the old days kind of skipping over that the whips time like it sounds like maybe not a lot of that applied to this grs work and you and you even kind of got to that i think in the last episode talking about how that experience doesn't really count towards your years of experience because they're looking for folks with operational experience and it's because you're doing operational things yeah yeah um, um go ahead so going back to that 13 hours movie yeah um what was accurate in that movie was uh just how the team they had a team room of those guys and how everything was just uh when i say this uh it just seemed more like you know these, these guys are on a team and sure uh, you have nobody like looking over them and telling them like you know if you're in a regular infantry or whatever. You, you, you guys are just they're just everyone was playing by the big boy rules. There's no first sergeant walking around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only thing that was not accurate was beer drinking. For example, I mean, if you're on the flagpole, I mean, obviously you're not drinking alcohol. You're not supposed to. I mean, I don't know the guys got away with away with it, but it just depends on what site you're at. I mean, mm-hmm. but um. That part where they had guys just hanging out on the team room, lifting weights and stuff like that, it was that was to me it was kind of accurate. Um, okay. So I mean, to give you an idea of what life was like in the team, sure, it was it was like that. Okay, so so that was a pretty accurate representation. Some of the I think, and they and they even kind of showed some intelligence gathering. They showed we'll talk about what the movie what that movie shows. The movie shows. Uh, definitely shows some, I say dignitary protection, but a protective details type stuff. Um, low vis, kind of like you're describing, less overt. No drop leg holsters, I'm guessing. Uh, no. No. <laughs> uh, everyone loved drop leg holsters, like early 2000s, right? I um, hate them. I can't stand them. I know. I I never. I know. Yeah, I don't like stuff on my. And it and it would block your uh, the pocket right there. So it's like. Yeah. Um, so okay. So so low vis type stuff, intel gathering. That's what they showed in the movie. They showed some other stuff, uh, ex- exchanges, things like that. I'm not going to ask you to confirm or deny that, but um, it was the type of skill sets you're using were very different from the whips, the whips contract. Um, if that movie, if that movie, what that movie is showing is to be uh, believed at all. So. Um, okay. You know, one of the, one of the rant, I forgot it, but it came back to me. One of the random questions I had was, okay, now you're back in sort of like an operational role, um, in the, on the military side, 
you know, you and I know that the military loves sending folks to schools, right? Continuing yeah. to refresh, um, uh, refresh skill sets, earn skill sets that make you, um, you know, more valuable to be able to accomplish a mission. You can tell us what you can tell us, but uh, does, is that also something kind of in the culture of GRS? Um, yes. Can you talk about what any of those follow-on training opportunities are like? Yeah. Um, no, yeah, I can absolutely talk about them. So besides your uh, recall, um, you have uh, advanced training in uh, driving, mm -hmm. um, weapons, tactics. Uh, if you're a designated marksman, they okay. have training for those guys. And obviously, a lot of those guys are prior snipers okay. on the military. Um, communications is a big one. They have uh, training for uh, communications. They had, a, uh, for the driving part, there was a pretty cool course for MB um, BMWs. Oh, there was a BMW driving course. Because oh, so one specific to that make. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, GRS, is something, depending on what uh, program, well, not program, but task order, if you want, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, they use BMWs a lot, at least in Erbil they did. Okay. And there were um, courses designed for you to do in case take contact. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, they have that. Um, so the training, if you want to talk about training, um, the training is in Fort Carson, Colorado. Okay. Uh, training either for the, like the bidding course or for any type of advanced training. Um, when I went through, I had the privilege to go, uh, it was in uh, West Virginia. And SOC had a location there that was out in the middle of nowhere. And some guy who was a prior Delta owned many acres of land and he turned it into like a, a shooting range, driving course, whatnot. And we went there for first two weeks for the vetting course. Um, this is when I was on the Cobra program. And um, usually they send you to, like I said, Fort Carson, Colorado, um, Colorado Springs. But they, they, for some reason, they let us go to um, West Virginia. We did that for two weeks on uh, guys from Langley came and they evaluated us. And later on, um, I went to Fort Carson for a heavy, heavy weapons course. So everybody okay. attended the course, either whether if you're um, Cobra or Cable, everyone attends the course. And it's a, it's a week long. And it's a, that course was pretty fundamental to me, except for uh, the, learning how to shoot with scopes. Okay. So they had a, a portion of it where you learn, um, learn how to shoot through scopes. And believe it or not, I've never had that experience before. And so I've learned, so there's a term called dope, which is uh, dope is an acronym for data on previous engagements. Okay. So you learn how to dope scopes, you use data. So it's, sni so it's sniper terminology. Snipers right. are learning how to know how to use data from previous engagements and they'll incorporate that data into uh, adjusting their scopes. So that's something I learned and I've never really learned that before. Okay. Believe it or not. That's um, pretty cool. I mean, I, I, I had no significant experience other than doing like a fam fire, you know, and then you just get behind the, your buddy's sniper rifle and you just shoot at something just like right there. That's all I ever did. So I would have been in the same position. That, that, I mean, it was pretty much a fanfare too, 
but yeah, okay. it, it, it was information that I learned that I wasn't pre privy to before. Um, I'll tell you a funny story though, during that course. Go for it. So there was a guy, he was a former ranger. He okay. started off, I think it was third battalion, man. I think he was even better. I think he was, I don't know if you were third battalion, but I was, I was he, third. Yeah. Uh, Fort Benning. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. So he started third battalion, then he ended up going to the regimental reconnaissance company. Okay. Um, his name was Patrick also. Ooh, okay. Um, I don't know if you know him. You ever met a guy named Patrick Davis? Uh, I've met plenty of Davises, but I, I don't, uh, I don't know the first name. I'd have to see a picture. If I see the face and it was around the same time, then, then I'm well, he was a big burly guy, man. Okay. Big dude. Yeah. And squared away. This guy was just squared the frick away, man. It, it, I was pretty impressed with him. Okay. Good story so far. He didn't like me at all. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you why, man. Because so for the um, sniper course of that course, we were working with the Barrett. Okay. I never shot a bullet before. So we'll, <laughs> the part where we're like learning how to dis, dis, disassemble that weapon system. Uh, it's like a M16 where you have an upper and lower receiver type, and you in order to disassemble it to get the uh, get to the, the bolt and all that, you have to take the whole top portion off. Okay. So you take the pins out, you take that top portion off, and there's a way um, for you to get the um, bolt out. Okay. So if I, I remember correctly, you had to uh, you know charge it to the rear, use that one of those pins that you use that, that's used to you know put the upper receiver on. You kind of like stick it to the slot in the back of that that weapon system, and it keeps the spring from coming off. Okay. But anyway, I had a hard time doing that for some reason. That spring is under tension, so uh. three times I freaking that spring came on and whacked him in the head. So, so what happened was the first time it it, it came out, it whacked. He, so his back was facing me. He was on his weapon system. It the spring came out and it whacked him in the head. So he wasn't happy about that, and then it happened the second time. So. The third time, he figured, well, I'm going to go on the back, you know, away from this freaking idiot, and I'm going to, you know, do it here. And I'm thinking the same thing. I was like, well, you know, everyone's in this general direction. I don't want to, you know, I just want to face towards the wall so that if, if it does come on my head, um, it's not going to hit anybody. But right. he was, like, behind a table. I couldn't see him. And it happened the third time. That spring came out and it went over the table and whacked him in the head. <laughs> He, he got up and he says, "What the fuck is your fucking problem, dude?" He was like, he's like, "I mean, <laughs> I mean, at that point, you got to be like, this has to be intentional. This ha it ha you it didn't sound like it was, but when you're the third time catching it in the head, you got to feel like, okay, this is this." I'm like, "Yeah, okay. Well, I guess this thing is not for me, man. You know, like at least shooting the <laughs> weapon system." But he he was pissed, man. So he, he was a that. very he was a very serious guy. So. I'd have to see a picture and I have to ask around. Um, but I mean, I, I, I probably would have been in the same position. I mean, I shot the Barrett a few times. Again, fan fire type stuff. I never disassembled it. Um, so, you know, could have been me. Um, did you ever get on his good side or, or was that, or was that it? The, the bridge had been burned. I mean, eventually I did. Um, okay. we, we met each other. We were both on, on, on project he ended up going on the same project i was so we were both on the static side okay. uh, he tried to go uh on mobile but he, he had some, something to do with his knees okay. uh, i didn't ask but 
he, he and I were both on the same program and we got to know each other and, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, goofy things happen, man. Um, I'm not immune to it. I mean, I do goofy things too, bro. <laughs> I'm like, For sure. You know, it's I mean, part of the experience. It's part of the experience. And when you get involved in, you know, this type of stuff, I mean, people are going to size you up, right? They're going to see what kind of guy you are. If you're an idiot or if you're good to go and mm-hmm. you're always on this tight rope. You're just like, a, you always want to put your best foot forward. Mm-hmm. Because as soon as you do something idiotic like that with the, the spring, the tension spring, I mean, they automatically, you know, come to the conclusion that this guy is a freaking idiot. I don't want this guy on my team. But, you know, you just have to roll with it, it especially in like special operations and, and the contract. You got to have really thick skin. Mm-hmm. And you're like, wow, well, I was, you know, I was goofy. Sorry, you know. Mm-hmm. Have thick skin, move on, and then eventually they'll get the feel of you, and they'll they'll see that your real character is that you're you're not an idiot. You're good to go. It's just shit happens, man, and that's what happened. So him and I end up becoming, you know, not the best of friends, but he ended up respecting me in the end. Sure. Um, and he he also ended up going uh, on mobile. He actually went on the mobile side. So um, I don't know if he's still doing it, but. A really good guy, man. He's he's a solid dude, solid dude. Okay. Especially coming from uh, the reconnaissance company, which mm-hmm. has a selection process on their own, from what I understand. They do. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's not surprising that the guy was shit hot, man. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. That's a good. No, that's a great story, uh, yeah. and it went in a positive direction ultimately. Um, so. Uh, and I just like you said, I've 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 disclosed on this uh, podcast or whatever this is uh, a couple of my public uh, um, errors. So it's just part of it. It's getting back up, brushing off, and to speak to the thick skin, you know, it's like uh, it doesn't stop even at even when you screw up. You definitely hear about it, but even when you're doing well, your buddies, your teammates will. Uh, test how thick your skin is as a sign of uh camaraderie so it's important to to maintain that yeah um in terms of uh so i think we talked about sort of what the day in the life kind of look like they're parts of the 13-hour movies that sort of like an accurate representation of of uh some of the things one might do um, sort of the environment that you're operating in. Um, any anything from that time stand out to you? Any other stories? Any other, you know, any other anything that um, that that you remember? Um. Yeah, uh, there was a. <laughs> I wanted to talk about. Well, this is wasn't at GRS. Uh, um. When I was at Whips, sorry if I'm going back. Uh, no, it's fine. Back to Whips again, but um, I wanted to <laughs> to tell you the reason why I left Whips okay. was the the quality of guys that were getting involved in that program was was eroding. Okay. Um, the Whips has the same um same uh like a recalling uh type of training like a uh, um GRS does, so you have to recall Whips. Like, I mean. You have to go back to the state. So, like, the state department will come up with another like training, uh, like SOPs mm-hmm. for their their either their RSOs and contractors. 
And so you have to return to the States and like get spun up on those new SOPs, especially like, for example, when the embassy in Benghazi got uh, burnt up, right, got attacked, mm-hmm. bastard was, was killed in that process. Uh, well, of course, the State Department came up with the uh, SOPs on how to mitigate that. So you have to naturally go back to the States and do a, a, a training on that. So anyway, um, one of the um, times that I went back to do a, a training, I've noticed that there were new guys. There's always new guys, but there was, so we were on a um, range and we we're doing a um, weapons ball and one of it was for iron sights. So you have to qualify for your iron sights, optics, uh, you qualify for your, your sidearms, but we're on um, iron sights and the state department has this target called an Izzy target. It's a, a drawing of a man holding an AK 47. Okay. And state department is, uses that and when you qualify on that target you write your name you write what what call was that so if it's iron sights you write iron sights on the upper left hand corner you write your name and they have to snap a photo of that and send that to the state department as proof that you did qualify okay well we had this one guy and unfortunately he was a former army guy he was 11 bravo and he wrote irs on top of the on top of the target so everyone's asking, well, why the hell did you put IRS on there? And he's like, well, that's an abbreviation for iron sights. And so the instructor was like, no, we're not, we're not snapping photos and sending that to the fucking State Department, right? It was like, why don't you put iron sights? And he was like, well, that's that's an abbreviation for iron. Well, why did you put IRS? He said, that's an abbreviation for iron sights. I was like, no, it's not. So I'm standing there looking at that. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> Is this these are the type of people they're hiring now? And I'm like, you know what? I'm like, I'm done. I was yeah. like, you know what? That could have been his Barrett spring assembly moment. You know what I mean? Uh, I, been, I, mean <laughs> I mean, it could have been. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that, but I mean, it's not something that I would have done. So <laughs> IRS. Uh, okay. Yeah. So IRS, like the Internal Revenue Service, like that. Like, yeah. Like implying that he's shooting at the IRS. Yeah, it was yeah. Just, it was an yeah. awkward moment, but I mean, he was not the only one. I mean, this guy was just soup sandwich to begin with. I mean, generally, everyone... he had issues. You're saying, well, also, IRS is not short. Why? Why is that shorthand for iron sights? Why wouldn't it just be I S? Why? Why the R? You know, I I don't know. I mean, he um everyone like I said everyone screws up here and there, but. Uh-huh. I mean, this guy was soup sandwich, and he wasn't the only one. I mean, it was just the, the type of people that were coming in. Mm-hmm. I mean, eventually, these guys are going to be in your team. And not to be so judgmental, I'm sorry, but um, it was just something that I didn't want to do anymore. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, that's the reason why I went, you know, applied to go do special projects. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't like going, going to GRS. No, I haven't really met anybody that was like that other than the guys that were on the static side complaining a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't met anybody that was just, just goofy, you know? You know? Right. And so um, for the most part, a lot of them are serious. Mm-hmm. They're just serious at their job. Um, trying to be the best operator they can be. Right. I mean, well, you, you yeah. have to be. You guys are you guys are doing operational things. That makes sense. And I be, and I believe that 
your assessment of some of the individuals towards the tail end of the whips kind of, was based on more than just just abbreviating the iron. I, I believe you saw more things as 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 you do. You know, you you see them, see how they they walk, they talk, how, how their confidence level, all those things play into, uh, and then also just like straight up just their resume. So you know, you know, no right. no, no offense, but if you do if you do four years and um, in the first infantry division, you know, maybe you're not prepared for some work out some some work that's out there. And, and the thing with your resume too, like you could actually bullshit your resume for whips believe it or not mm. i mean you, you could you could write a good narrative of yourself and not really be qualified i mean even though you send in your dd214 and whatnot they, the, i mean it's the way they, they see it is like if you hit, hit certain keywords then you qualify on your mm. resume when you go to grs i mean it's more than that so i mean you can't bs your way into that program for one it. thing you really do check your background. And then, then on another thing is that you go through an actual bidding course. So, right. yeah. And then your peers are going to, are going to sniff it out pretty quickly. Like what pretty your deal quick. is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. When you, when you show up with the drop leg holster, they're going to be like, ah, I don't think this guy, <laughs> I don't think this guy operates. I don't think he does. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, if Steve lived here, I mean, there was a there was a guy. He was um he retired from the SEAL team. Okay. And uh, I, I mean, you know, like uh, you got guys like going back and forth, like between SF guys and SEALs, like you know who's better and who's not, and room uh-huh. clearing, right? Okay. Well, this this guy he went to TDC. He was from the SEAL teams, and he I guess he sucked. I never met him, but I guess he sucked in CQB, and. He didn't make it through TDC and threw a fit. Mm. You know, threw a fit like, well, you know, this this is not right. You know, whatever he said. But mm-hmm. you show up and you say that you can do this and that. Then, well, then you have to perform, right? And mm-hmm. if you can't do it, then you can't do it. But apparently this guy threw a fit about it. And I get, I'm assuming that he never extended any opportunities again to retry. Yeah, they're on a fit. Even if you disagree, they're on a fit wouldn't be helpful. Um, no, you know these are you know to your point, and you make a greater, uh, a good point, more broadly about the type of individuals is, um, you know everyone everyone at some point getting selected, getting getting trained, going through a training course, you know it. Part of it is getting humbled to some extent, um, but some people maybe don't. It doesn't happen, and and for for the military accomplishments for a lot of folks, at least for a while until they they figure themselves out, it's like it's the peak, and it it can actually be a handicap. And I think when we're transitioning out, I know I experienced it. You know, when I first got out, I only knew of myself as you know Patrick Ranger team leader, right? Like that's all I knew that that I was. And I did feel pride about that, as I should, as anyone should, doing whatever job they're doing. You know, feel a little bit of pride about what you do. Um, but we make the mistake of having that become our, our identity. And so if you're a SEAL guy, especially the SEALs, you know, because they make a lot of movies and books about them. But, you know, you, you go and you <laughs> and you whiff it in the shoot house. And you, 
there's a, there's I, I think you and I would agree there's a little bit of extra embarrassment just because for them I think tell me if you th- disagree just because they probably feel like they carry all that weight you know on their shoulders to 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 seem like they're worthy of all the attention that they get it could possibly be I mean yeah. I, I hate to rub this with Steve but <laughs> I mean I have we'll to ask him we'll be like we'll, yeah we'll ask him. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, it's just, just because you're a certain person doesn't mean that you're going to be good at everything. I mean, that right. that's just bottom line. Right. I mean, I've met them all. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've met them all. So I'm, I'm the nowhere near like these, like I'm not good at, you know, doing CQB, like believe it or not. I mean, I, I practice enough where I can pass the course, but I mean, yeah. I'm not nearly as good as like a lot of other people. Um, that's the way I see it. But, I've met a lot of guys. I mean, um, I have the guys that were complete badasses to guys mm-hmm. that were who thought they were badasses and they were not. You know, but that, that's a that's a great that's actually a, a great point. Um, as we're as we're wrapping up this one, but um, the thing the thing people not in the communities for don't know is or, or maybe it's lost in in the media the media attention in the books in the movies it's like um it isn't a one man show right like it is a team effort and and you'll be in a and you know for me i was in a i've been in platoons with with guys i don't know that i would want behind me in the stack clearing a house but you definitely want that guy behind a machine gun cuz he knows everything he he lives and breathes it he his mind works mechanically he can fix any malfunction you know anything that goes wrong he can operate it and yeah. and, and where where he where he lacks you or someone else in the team can make up for it and then and then that's what we attempt to do right it, it isn't a one-man thing right they'll right? definitely exploit your your strengths yeah yeah you know if you're not good in what like you just said it's very true if you're not good in one thing, they'll find something that you're good at and they'll just exploit it and say, this is what you're good at. And this is what you're going to do. Yeah. Very and you may not, yeah. And you may not like it. And I met plenty of like for, for us, weapon squad guy, I met plenty of guys who they were weapon squad, you know, dogs the whole time. And I don't, and you don't know that they necessarily liked it. Maybe they prefer to do some of the sexier stuff. Um, but it's like, you know, this is where you shine and this is the best contribution you can make. And um, it's for the betterment of the team. Um, but for this GRS stuff, it does sound like, to some extent, tell me if you disagree, that it is, um, while you're a part of a team, it is all, all the training and the selection and the experience. It is trying to eke out someone who's a more well-rounded um, stud, basically. Yeah. So it's definitely true. The more well-rounded you are, obviously, the better off you, you'll be. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it was a complete, it was an honor and privilege to actually be part of that. And even when I when I got involved in GRS, I realized how much I didn't know, mm. how, how much of a shooter I was. And to be honest with you, my, my shooting skills actually improved after i got involved in grs mm. coming out of the reconnaissance community you know i thought well yeah, i can shoot you know but it, when i got involved in grs when at the tdc i realized i cannot shoot 
Mm-hmm. And there's guys that are way better than me, mm-hmm. way better. And, mm-hmm. and so I, I use that opportunity to enhance my, my, um, my skills. And it was all worth it, man. Yeah, it sounds like it. I mean, and, and clearly from the progression, you put in the work. And so if, if there's anything anyone takes away, uh, you know, if there's some teenager that's planning their, their future career that, that includes a pit stop at GRS, maybe the thing to take away more so is, is having the initiative, having the discipline um, to, to get you where you want to be and ticking your lumps along the way because they're going to happen and um, yeah. it's up to you to overcome them because that's what, that's what we're always looking for. So, um, okay, great. We'll go ahead and we'll, we'll wrap up this episode. Uh, appreciate your time. Appreciate everyone listening. We'll catch you all in the next one. Thank you.